You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, Am I everybody? Yes. Mm. You are everybody. I'm not everybody, but I'll say hello in honor of everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to August. Welcome to August, Sidduck. Mm, thanks. It's it's true what they say. The older you get, the more you go like, wait a minute. It's August? We just had Christmas. <laughs> well, <laughs> we didn't just have Christmas. That's what I'm saying, though. The older you get, the more you're like, wait a minute. This can't be August. Because we just had New Year. Yeah. Like the year has gone like snappity snap. You're into the next phase of your life. True. What is the before the after the show discussion? <sighs> really? You want me to go into it? <laughs> well, all the things that you <laughs> talked about. Before. All the things. Okay. You really want me to say? Our discussion about how I don't like comparing movies to each other. That's it. That's it. It lasted a long time. Yes. No. That for for a movie that's a whole other podcast. Person. Mm-hmm. That's a interesting su- aspect. But Fair enough. That makes you really unique, like one of the most unique movie reviewers. Duh. <laughs> Have you not noticed? I don't read reviews. I don't listen to reviews. I barely write my reviews anymore. I tell you about these movies because we would have this discussion anyway, and I like. That you are a massive consumer of reviews, and you are probably one of many, many, many people, so other people will also enjoy hearing what you have to say about movies. I, I, I respect that. They also enjoy listening to you. <laughs> I think. <laughs> you want to do a survey? <laughs> I can't speak for all of them. Exactly. All right, it is Saturday, August the 3rd, and this is After the Show, where a movie review podcast the number of this review is 593. This is our 593rd one. It's uh, The movie this week is Hellboy. It's a 2019 movie. It's actually out now. Uh, it's rated R for bloody violence and swearing and stuff. It has all of those things, right? It does. And stuff. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty gross, really. And it's from Lionsgate, who sent us a copy for review. Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of uh, Hellboy, and then I'll give you the one off the back of the box, see if it compares. The synopsis of Hellboy. Mm. This guy who came from hell a long time ago and was raised by a person now has to save the world from this very nasty, bitchy witch. Is right. that what it says on the box? <laughs> on the box. It's similar. Oh, King Arthur. Let's throw that in there. It says on the box, listen to this for a synopsis and tell me that this is more of a description of the plot. Hellboy is back and he's on fire. In this action-packed story ripped from the pages of Mike Mignola's seminal work, the legendary half-demon superhero, David Arbor in brackets, 
is called to the English countryside to battle a trio of rampaging giants. There he discovers the Blood Queen, Milejovic in brackets, a resurrected ancient sorceress thirsting to avenge a past betrayal. Suddenly caught in a clash between the supernatural and the human, Hellboy is now hellbent, there's a pun, on stopping Namu without triggering the end of the world. Which one? Did you like that one? No, I think it's really lame. It's to too much, isn't it? Yeah. It's too much. Do people seriously... Well, no, you're not going to a video store anymore and reading the <laughs> logs. But I mean, I didn't even do that when I did rent movies. I'd look at the cover and go, hmm, okay. And probably 90% of the time I said, okay, because I wanted to watch every movie I could get my hands on. I'm um, So I don't understand this discerning thing where you're going to read 10 of those and then decide which of that story do you want to rewatch now that you know it all. I think I'm very basic and it bites me. It's bit me a lot of times. I don't even look at the back. I just look at the cover. And if the cover looks cool and it's something I might like, you know, when it was video store time, I would just rent it. And I did learn that the cover is don't judge the movie by the cover. That's the that's the thing, isn't it? Can be, but that's usually what I base mine on. Yeah. Just the cover, not the cover um, comments. I mean, if we were in a video store nowadays, you wouldn't be reading the blurb on the back because it would be too small for you to read because I just struggled reading Correct. the text on that. The text on this one is so small, you would have no chance. And these days, I probably would judge a book by its cover because if they, if I looked at 10 different movies and they all had that lame cover where it's like boxes of the main people's faces... Yep. And then like some weird reference to one explosion in the movie or something. I'd be like, ugh. See, I would, unfortunately, judge those books by their cover. uh, Book slash movie. uh, Another thing that movie um, covers have is the, you know, where they have a little quote from somebody. And often they write the person's name so small, you have no idea who the quote came from. Yeah. But this one says, it's absolutely deranged and it's great. And then the person's name, I can't even read it. It's in red on black. First so is that off. like saying we don't really want you to know who said it because they're so unimportant? I think so. <laughs> and then the ne- the next one says, it's a horrifyingly good time. And then again, it's red on black. And I can't read who said that. So maybe nobody said it. Exactly. Who's <laughs> trying to lie to you. All right. So that's the uh, that's the synopsis. So, Sid Talk, what did you think of the movie Hellboy? It was really fun. <laughs> Should I mean, I, it was should really. Should I play fun. the music? From Will? Hey. I had a good time. Like it's, you know, it's a little bit over the top at times, but the combination of things that make it a movie like this good to me is, I understand. It's not good, is it? Like, let me. No, it's good to me. Yeah. So I understand from throughout the movie the global threat. I it is. I I get it. I feel it. I'm convinced this witch is globally bad. She can wipe out everybody and start her demon on earth uh, Garden of Eden. That's kind of her vision. I understood that. You know, yes, it's cheeky and yes, it's really melodramatic and stuff. But I understood her, her abilities, her desire, and her ultimate goal could be fulfilled. And so all humanity is at risk, even though it's cheeky and... Kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, like, funny as well. I also understand that our heroes, the group of people who are sent out to bring down the villain, have the right set of whatever 
Skills. To, you know, skills and abilities, you know, it's not all skill as it, some of it's just, um, whatever, whatever special skills we'll say they have to bring an end to it. I also don't mind the story. It's a little bit flimsy. Shall we do a spoiler and just say kind of roughly what the story actually is? Yeah. Um, you know, when you say it's a little bit flimsy, I think it's <laughs> more, more, more than that. More yeah, but in the context of this particular movie, yeah. it is fine. To me, it's fine. Um right. I bought yeah. into it because I bought into the style and spoilers. Each of the characters. So the story is obviously this horrible witch from fifteen hundred years ago got her head chopped off and her legs chopped off and everything, and she was sent all over the different parts of England to be buried and never to be brought back together or she would put a plague on all of humanity and bring all of the demons and all of the creatures and spirits and stuff I and hell back to life. Like that setup. That part, yeah. The other part where Hellboy comes into it is the part I had to be like, okay, I'm in the bubble of suspension of belief. That's I where have it to starts to get flimsy. <laughs> do not poke my bubble. It's very delicate right now. So at some point uh, well, when we hear, you were right though, when you said that they've ex, expedite, how, exposition. Yes. Let, telling let, us, let's mention that issue. Yeah. There's an issue in this movie. The beginning of the movie, I, I have to say, you know, that opening sequence with, um. Mm-hmm. Which will explain why, how King Arthur came into all of it. Yeah, really. I, I really enjoyed that opening sequence. It's really tongue in cheek. It, it reminded me of the evil dead kind of like it's. It's silly, but it's kind of horrific at the same time. I liked that. And it had um, Swenger, what's he called? Ian McShane's uh, voiceover, which I find really compelling. I like his voice. I think he's so overrated, but okay. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just a really good setup. It was like King Arthur. It was this horrible witch. It was uh, being chopped into pieces. And then it showed all the, the horses going off in the different directions with the boxes, with the to go and get rid of her. Like so she's so she can't ever get back together again. I loved all that. It was cool. Did you like it? Yeah, I just displayed the exact same thing. Yeah. Yes. I, well, uh, this to get to this You're point. You're making the point of telling the it, exposition many times. <laughs> it, yeah, but this was this was a voiceover telling you what is happening. You're seeing it with your eyes at the same time also. And then you're completely on the page of what exactly this movie is, like where it's going. And then, like a few <laughs> scenes later, a, a, a guy stops some other guys in a corridor to tell them the exact <laughs> same thing in detail, not just like a quick blurb. I'm glad you noticed this. And I was I like, that was hilarious. I was like, hold on, is this for people who came to the movie late, just <laughs> yeah. missed the beginning? Because we don't need it twice. It's maybe. not even complicated. Oh, maybe it's for when it hits network TV and you only tuned in at the second commercial break <laughs> yeah. and now you need somebody to tell you. But I mean, it felt like that. It's, it's the least uncomplicated thing ever, and it doesn't need be to be told twice. It's like, you know, you could break it down real quick. She's she's all chopped up. She's in boxes. She's at the other. You know, she some somehow they're gonna get about. Oh, together. and she's very pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget that part. She's very pissed. But it off. ain't just that. That that does happen, and you will be as a viewer going, "Why are we? Why are we being told this again? It seems superfluous." You know what? I think you're mistaken. I don't think as many people will notice that as you think. Right. Well, it doesn't just happen once. It happens about three times. I don't mean for that same set. I mean, we, we're told the same thing again. Yeah. Like, And then 
we know a whole thing, and then Hellboy comes back to the offices, and Ian McShane tells him that it all again, like, like about how he was. We 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 see how he was born, basically, right? We see the beginning of Hellboy, and then it goes cuts to a scene where he's in the office, and he's like, "Oh, I need to tell you about the Nazis and everything, like, and how you were." And I was like, "Wow, we already just saw that." Why are we saying it again? And now, to go back to what we're, what I was saying too, telling us that it's there's a King Arthur connection yeah. that gets reiterated many many times because it's and you're cool. Like, we get it. We yeah. get it. You've <laughs> taken an old story and like com- made a compound out of it. Um, yeah. So Hellboy is basically a descendant of King Arthur and some demon, essentially. What? And there's also not Nazis. Oh yeah. And- Always Nazis. Yeah. In these in any you know most superhero stories. Because they were written back in a time either right at or right after World War II, you get they crop up a lot. Yeah, they do. As the bad and guy. I, and it is, I said to you, it's one of my favorite things when they mix Nazis with the occult. Um, you know, they do it in Indiana Jones, obviously. Favorite, like, what do you mean? I just find it really, like, it's really shitty. It's kind of like Lois commenting on my uh, body. It feels like it's something like you you were just saying, like from the nineteen forties or the nineteen fifties, even when they were, you know, because we, the Nazis did their thing, and then they're the ultimate bad guys in a lot of stories. But I don't know when when I see like supernatural, like Wolfenstein, the game, which is literally about supernatural Nazis, Overlord that we watched. Mm-hmm. There's something about it that's really compelling to me. It's like you know, it's like a what? Should if, I be so? afraid? Yeah, maybe you know, maybe in my mind I'm thinking maybe they were like messing with the with the occult. I mean, a lot of people think they are. You've seen too well, many movies. Yeah, <laughs> and played too many games. Yeah, I don't know. I do like that combo, even though it's nothing new. But they do introduce it in this movie. It's kind of cool. I think I would have liked a longer scene of that. You know, the Nazi part? I don't know. To me, that kind of was like what I was saying about I'm convinced of everything. I'm good with everything. The King Arthur thing is a bit flimsy. I'm in the story. I'm convinced. And then the Nazi occult we're going to do. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's not very long, but that's good enough for me. Yeah. Because as I I just had this weird feeling because we were already being told things multiple times, we're going to have another flashback in the future to tell us more or an alternate version of how he was born. So I kind of skipped over it a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, I found it fun too, this movie. I think it's fun as a overall Hellboy story, but... I have like, and I love Neil Marshall, the director, and I see, I see where it, I see him in it, the way he's, he's pretty fast moving, he likes to use a lot of music. Now, I love, it's one of my things, isn't it? I love music used at the right moment in movies. None of the music in this movie was right. None of it felt right to me. Mm, It was all rock and roll music. A lot of it was like indie bands, like, I know the music, um, but it didn't feel right, like, He's fighting the giants. There's a really cool sequence. In fact, I think it's my favorite sequence in the whole movie. He's fighting these three giants in this field. And it's playing like a yes, rock and roll. Yes, there are giants. <laughs> yeah. There's just like a, a rock song going on. I, I can't even tell you what it is. It's, it felt generic. 
but it didn't feel right for the action. It felt like there needed to be a score there, like actual, like an epic kind of score. It it kind of made it less interesting, the fight with the giants. And it happens all the way through the movie, this music thing. It's like, oh, now we're playing. What was the song that kickstart my heart mm. while, they're, while they're like doing the slow motion shooting and everything? Yeah. It just... It felt dopey a little bit, and I didn't really appreciate the music at all throughout the entire movie. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really bother me, but it felt... Like music video-ish whenever an action sequence happens. Yeah, and it also wasn't cut in very nicely, and the editing wasn't always very good when it was cutting from scene to scene. You know, you get used to a certain rhythm of big action movies. Not every movie, but there's a certain... It's like a big puzzle, and when someone puts it together just right, it's invisible. You don't even know you're on this, like, smooth, everything goes together just right. When it isn't put together just right, I felt, yeah, like, sometimes you they would cut to the action, and then two seconds later, a music would start up, and then you're like, oh, did somebody... <laughs> So forget to push the, push the button on oh, the editing like, machine or something. Oh, like have we just switched over to MTV? This just feels like. Well, I never thought that. Mine just felt like it was out of sync. Right. And then also unnecessary. And uh, as we know, one of the best things you can do, I I subscribe to this hundred percent. One of the coolest things you can do in movies is put the right piece of music at exactly the right time in a movie. If you do it correctly. It can do all kinds of things. It can make you super emotional. It can make you really excited. It can make you just like, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody is a, a you know. I mean, they, they have a big cheat card because, I mean, yeah. it's about queens. So well, the way, they, the way they put it, put the right song at the right time, it just uplifts you or something. Or it can make you really sad, like Magnolia, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. This did nothing. The music seemed like, oh, we're just going to put a load of rock songs because Hellboy, yeah, metal, woo, you know, like that. That's how it felt to me. Yeah. So that didn't do nothing for me. Also, um, the original, there's, there are two, if you don't know, there are two other Hellboy movies by, who are they by? I can never pronounce his name, so I'll ask you. Del Toro. Guillermo Del Toro. G- Guillermo Del Toro. I always get his first name wrong. Um... I really liked those movies. I'm not a gigantic fan. It's not um it's not my you know I I've not revisited them, let's say. Have you? Um yeah, if they're on TV or something, I will right. hang in. Um there's something about those two movies though, and I, I particularly like the second one the best, um The Golden Army. I thought that one was really cool because it had a really awesome bad guy. Um there's something about those movies that's they're not like a music video. Like this one feels that, you know, I would compare this movie, uh, Hellboy, uh, to more like Resident Evil. You know, the Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. They're like a bunch of action, a lot of slow motion, a lot of music in the pl- in places. And it it's very cool. Like it's trying to be very cool. Those other Hellboy movies, I don't think they were trying to be cool so much as weird. Because there's some very weird stuff in those movies. This one has some weird which I liked, you know, the Baba Yaga. Mm-hmm. There's a part, there's a, actually another great part of this movie. There are some cool scenes. There's a part of this movie where he goes to visit Baba, Ga- Baba Yaga, which is like a, this crazy witch in this. How would you describe it? It's like a bird. I mean, it's a thing. I yeah. believe it's in Jabberwocky. The poem. It's got like 
long, spindly-like legs like a heron or a stork. But on top of it is like a, a house. Well, not even a house. It's more than that, isn't it? It's like a big hotel or something. <laughs> so imagine that, and then he climbs up into it, and then there's this creepy, it's really creepy, inside it, woman. <laughs> um, that he, you know, he has a bit of a battle with and a conversation with. I thought it was a really cool scene. It was awkward and it was kind of creepy. And when she was licking him and stuff, it was odd. It was awful. Yeah. Very unsettling. And there's a bunch of that in this movie, I think. There's that. There's a bunch of really cool sequences. Like, The Giants is really cool. The bar- but they all feel disjointed a little bit. It doesn't feel like... It feels like, oh, we've got a cool idea. Here it is. Mm. And then I it- disagree. I felt like it all went together all right. It just wasn't edited very nicely. I think it... Uh, now, we've read about this movie and there was some like problems there was some problems on the set i was just reading like some people not getting on with each other that happens in in life right and just in general sure <laughs> it can affect the film though but i think the major thing that this film's thing went through was neil marshall cut his version of the film and handed it in and then they recut the film and he went on record saying he doesn't like the version of Hellboy that came out. Now, we don't know if his version's better than this version, but it does mean that there was a creative difference somewhere, right? That could have affected the movie in a way. And I feel some of that. I feel something like it just feels like, oh, it kind of sets it up for a sequel, but I don't think it needed to. Do you get what I mean? I never think they do. So No, this, this one felt a <laughs> yeah. little bit I'm not a fan almost. of like packaged things. Yes, but they, they, something felt wrong a lot of the time. And, and, you know, like I say, for me, it's that music thing. And it's also, the I've not mentioned it yet, but some of the CGI is terrible. I mean, terrible. It's not good. Okay, let me, let me explain the worst CGI I've, I've pro- probably seen for a long time. You know when she vomits up Ian McShane at the yeah. end? Oh, yeah. And Ian... It's hard to explain, but a woman vomits up the ghost of Ian McShane and he is floating in the air and it looks like it looks like intestines but with Ian McShane's Not body. Not that we've ever seen this in real life no, so we have it, reference points. No, but it looked so <laughs> shitty like It looked so bad. It looked like it looked like it wasn't superimposed properly, so it looked like you were yep. just looking at like a like the a, contrast was wrong, like a transparent version of him. I know that a ghost is supposed to be, but it, it also just didn't shit. look good as him or anything. It was really weirdly bad. And there's another thing. Um, I liked the finale of this movie. The finale was I thought it was pretty cool. And there's a really awesome one liner. I won't say it, but I really liked that one liner. I don't like one liners. But that one was Jesus Take the Wheel. <laughs> um, they don't know what you're If you've not about. watched Preacher, <laughs> the TV show Preacher, you'll watch that and then you'll understand that joke. But there's one in here that I really loved. I thought it was really fun and it, it really matches Hellboy and the cheeky kind of nature of it. But I like the showdown at the end with the big monsters coming up. But as we've... I think it was The Mummy with Tom Cruise that we watched... Mm. Do you remember all the ro- all the monsters coming up in London and they're running about? Yeah, and we were like, "Oh, that's cool," but then it just tur- it just becomes nothing. Yep, this this movie does exactly the same thing. It really does. It's like, oh my god, look how cool was it when you saw the London street and you saw 
like crazy demons that are like taller than skyscrapers walking down the street. And they were impaling people and it was just gross, like eating people, ripping people in half, that whole shit. You're sounding a bit of like a masochist. <laughs> yeah. But Not I mean, cool it was to see from, these people impaled on his leg bone. But yeah, it, I mean, it's gruesome and gory in a, like a camp kind of fun way. It's not, like, super serious. But then I was like, wow, this is awesome. Let the plague infect everything and let us see what happens. But then it's like, by the time they get to the end of one singular road, it's all over. Yep. Like, and I I feel that The Mummy did exactly the same thing. (laughs) I can remember watching The Mummy. And as this was happening, I was like, is this The Mummy? It's like they blow their wad, pardon the analogy if that's where you're going with it, but they blow it all on an idea they throw the visual at you to so you go, <gasps> and then they just take it all away. Yeah, it was quick, though. It was a cool, like, I really liked how it was playing out, that ending. And I liked the battle with the with Mila. Um, but it, it kind of builds up to something that kind of is nothing. And I think that's the problem with that. It, it happens in a lot of action movies, though. I feel like... If you're writing a script for an action movie, it's really difficult to finish it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. To have a, to have well, a no, satis- not if you're a good writer. <laughs> right, but to like, have a satisfying ending that doesn't just involve, like, a video game boss battle, which is essentially always what happens. <laughs> you get the two people in a room, and then they either fight each other or they use magic against each other, and that's what happens. And one of them wins and one of them loses. That's pretty much 90% of, like, action movies, right? Yeah. It's hard to, like, do something different because... Why is it hard to do something different? Is it just because we're so used to what... I mean, how do you... Oh, I'll I'll say one, and you, you might disagree or agree. Okay. But this was a good one that was very different. Doctor Strange. Okay. The, the finale to Doctor Strange was not exactly what you thought was going to happen, right? I don't remember. <laughs> oh yeah! If it wasn't two weeks ago, you I do remember a certain snapping of a certain set of fingers yeah, that I was like, "Whoa, I it, love that one." Yeah, well, Doctor Strange is a—it's a psychedelic kind of battle between the him battle, and, but the ultimate ending isn't that right. But it, it twisted a bit. You're kind of like, "Oh, yeah. this isn't just two people stood fighting each other. This is—we're using time and space, and you know, it's crazy." Right, but ultimately, what happens isn't that unexpected. Right, but this one's very like. You, as soon as Hellboy and um, what, what's the character name? Miljovic's character, Nimus. Mm-hmm. As soon as they uh, uh, come to the temple, well, St. Paul's Cathedral, I believe, you, know, you kind of know what's going to happen, right? They're going to fight. Somebody's going to lose. Probably not the hero, right? Mm. So it just. It's, yeah, you think that. It's kind of anticlimactic. Well, maybe that's what you do, but then. People don't. That's like. how you make. Yeah, that's how you, you do it. You do it really interesting. Whereas, like you, you know, that's you, why you kill the good guy, and then your focus group goes, "Oh, we don't like it when you kill the good guy." And then they go, "Oh, we got to do it again." And that's why Infinity War is one of the best endings you've ever seen. <gasps> don't give it away. <laughs> that's not fair. Oh, that was that was some time ago. Infinity War. No. But anyway, I'm not on board with that. We're we're in the spoiler territory. Not for that. Then you can spoil every movie ever made. Well, I, I, I think people have all seen it by now. The, the sequel is out. Um, but still, you know, if you this one, it's just predictable. I guess that's the point. Mm-hmm. You're and right, though. What, what isn't? The CG is 
actually terrible at times. <sighs> terrible, like like it's unfortunately bad. But but guess those giants at the beginning, they were all right. They were alright, but they still looked like CGI characters. They, they did not like, look like they really existed in the world. They actually looked video gamey, didn't they? A bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, like they were 3D models and they were grafted with textures and put a bunch of shit on them yeah. and then put in the world. They moved alright in the world, but at times their feet didn't seem like they were actually on our actual ground. It was a fun... F- I liked that scenario, though. The oh, fight yeah. Against- if you'd put that in, like, The Hobbit or something, where everything looks shitty, yeah. <laughs> you'd be like, okay, fine, I don't care. Or if you'd put it in something else that's just more fantasy, yeah. overridingly fantasy, whereas this is trying to be grounded in a real forest or on a real hillside, you know, without a lot of, like, fantasy elements around. But, yeah, the CGI and the special effects at times, other than Baba Yaga... Yeah, that was really she good. And that me. wasn't CGI. I don't get freaked out. And I was trying to be like, oh, my God, I just can't. Ah, ah, ah. It's like she's broken all over and crab walking and her face is all fucked up. And she's not CGI. She isn't in the hog guys either. But I was sure he was. That shows you that's the weird. Yeah, th- that's, why, that's why it's weird. There are two characters that are not CGI that you will swear are CGI <laughs> when yeah. you're looking at them. And the characters that are CGI, you'll be like, oh, they look shit. <laughs> Um, is there a CGI character that looks great at all? Mm. Even Miller, when she's like got no arms yeah, and legs, looks she looks weird. Like she barely moves because... The concept art for her and the extras looked awesome. I yeah. would have a poster of the concept art of her all dismembered. Looked yeah. cool. Uh, the actual head of her, like, because we said earlier, she, get, she gets chopped up. Her arms, legs, and her head is off. Yeah. And her head is off and it's still alive talking. And the head looked pretty good, I thought. Like, and I, I thought, well, the head's just a head replacement CG. But then we saw in the extras, they had that head. Like, it was sat there on the table. Yeah, I was exactly. like, wow, that looks just like her. It's like, so there was, it's a mixture of, like, bad and good. But it doesn't. As most things are. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't, to me, it, it's, it's kind of forgettable a bit. Yes, that's a good way to put it. You know, like, some of the, like, I, the first Resident Evil film. I, I don't ever forget that one because it was the first one I saw. But all the other ones, <laughs> they all blur together and I don't really know what happened. Are you in the same? Yeah. Like the first one's kind of memorable, right? Because it, because I don't know. I mean, we, there wasn't. When you're into, you know, we've said it before, origin story often wins the day because yeah. it's all new. You don't really know what's going on. And you're learning it all fresh, and so you might overlook a lot of flaws because it's like going to a new place for the first time. So you go down to Las Vegas for the first time, down because we're north of it. Um, the first time you're just like, oh my god, look at that! Oh my god, look at that! Oh my god, look at that! Then you go again, and you're like, oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! And then you go the twentieth time, and you're like, I mean, I've seen it. You're not even looking at it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just, just wandering. Oh, you're looking for something new. Because right. you want that feeling again. That's how I think origin stories are like the, oh, look at that, oh, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then once you've seen the sequel and the sequel and watched the origin, the original again. So. And we, it's not the first time we've seen Hellboy. So, like, we're kind of used to him in a way, even though he's been gone for some time, right? He's been gone for 10 years, probably. But we still have seen this character and understand what it's all about. Yeah. So maybe that is partially why this movie doesn't really stick in my no, mind. No, I disagree. Like. Because for me, it's more 
A, the editing stood out as being awkward and that made it less um, engrossing. Like if I'm totally in the story, it could be crappy. It could look crappy. I'm the queen of loving bad zombie movies. Like bad. Well, we've seen we've seen some crappy films that we like. Like exactly. which other people would say are crappy. Like. Exactly. So if you convince me that I'm having a good time <laughs> and all the other stuff, then I don't really care about quality. But the editing on this was a constant struggle. Oh, mention the other thing. The other thing? Yeah. You- oh, the looping? Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, I explain what looping is. Looping is when on the set. Or anytime you're doing, you could be doing a family, um, a wedding video for somebody or recording your grandma telling a story in a video sitting on the porch. You go listen to it then and the sound is like, oh crap, well, you know, all the birds were chirping, the cars were going past, I, I couldn't hear her very good. So what you would then do is take grandma into a little booth, <laughs> put her in front of a big microphone, have the script of everything she said, and tell her to say it along with the screen that she's watching of her saying it originally. And her mouth and her words have to match up precisely. Now, some grandmas could do that that really well, just like some actors do that really well. If the actor does a good job, that's one thing. And in this movie, I didn't see any out-of-sync words. No, sometimes you do. But if the editor, the sound editor... The sound mixer, take that thing that grandma did in the studio where it's super quiet and there are no birds and there are no cars and there is no construction down the street and there's no ambient sound from just being outside and they just plunk it into the video. Then it sounds like grandma was standing in a studio and the porch looks really, it's weird. It's its out of sync in your mind. It doesn't fit together. Yeah, because the environment is different. Yeah, the sounds that need to be layered on top of what grandma was saying aren't there. This movie is ripe with that. I say 70% of the movie. Yes, it was from the beginning. Now, the people that seem to me who either someone mixed them perfectly well or their audio that they captured at the time was good enough was Hellboy and Swenjin. I call him Swenjin, Ian McShane. A lot of times, other than when he was the vomited up ghost, he sounded like... He was saying what he was saying on the set, and they captured it right then, and that was it. There was no laying over the top of it. Um, But everybody else, oh my goodness. And the CGI characters and the people with lots of prosthetics, you can kind of expect it. Yeah. Because it's going to, like, you're going to sound like this if you've got a prosthetic over your mouth, and then they're going to have to record what you said and put it over the top. But that wasn't, those weren't really bad either. It's just, Mila, hers was so bad. It was like... You're watching her floating in a forest with steam and fog all around her. And then they lay her voice over the top and it's really dull. Sounds like she's in a kitchen. Yeah, it's like they've (laughs) all they've done is like turn down the volume instead of what would it sound like in a forest with the steam and the fog and the whatever. Um, Well, I'll tell you exactly what it sounds like. That she's in a recording booth with (laughs) soundproof material all around her. It's so unfortunate, though, that it just it's a big distraction to me. So we're saying a lot of bad things, aren't we? Well, those things do not subtract from me having really a lot of fun with this movie. Those are technical things often. The CGI, the the audio. The story's pretty basic. The story's basic, but I bought it. The villain, I bought into what she could do, and I buy into what the heroes can do. And the journey the hero has to kind of sort of take. Most heroes these days have to be the anti-hero, we understand. They're partially good, they're partially bad. 
Because they have superpowers, they can use them for good or bad. What are they going to do? Blah, blah, blah. We're all accustomed to that. But I was, I was in. And so the technical things, they just sort of dole down the experience a little bit, which is sad because it's a lot of fun. Now, if it were to crop up on TV again sometime when I'm flipping channels, I'll probably leave it on just I, for the fun of it. I guarantee you, movies like this crop up on TV a lot. Yeah. Like, the, like the, for this kind of movie... This action, you know, they just end like Resident Evil. It's always on TV. Always, like every minute of every day in every country and every you channel. Can fi- uh, you know what? I bet you can find it somewhere playing now. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge to all of you. It's one of those movies. It's nine that- o'clock in the morning on Monday. Can you find <laughs> Resident you Evil can. on a cable channel somewhere? Not Netflix. Not Hulu. Live TV. So moving on to the cast here, David Arbor plays Hellboy. He'll probably best he'll be best be known by most people as Hopper from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I said to you, and this is a challenge. It oh. also is not an insult to him. No, um, just to be fair. <laughs> now I I admire this because uh, in the extras for this on this Blu-ray, you can watch him be put into his makeup, and it is really awesome. It's not CG. He's in a suit. He's got makeup all over his face. He's got horns on him, magnetic horns. And it looks awesome. Because it actually it looks right, doesn't it, on screen? It doesn't look weird because there's no CG going on. I mean, occasionally you can see in the corners of his mouth where it's not quite right. the makeup hasn't. You know. I mean, you have to really look, though. Yeah, but then all the, the once time. you see it, you don't really have to look. Once it catches your eye, it's right. like, oh, you're in a costume. But the rest of the time. But like I said, um, I... I I know it's David Arbor because it says it is, right? But I said to you, if I wouldn't, if that information was not in my brain before watching this, I wouldn't actually know who it was because he's so covered. Mm-hmm. And I don't recognize his voice, even though I've seen him in Stranger Things. I I knew who it was because I knew who it was, yeah. And it um, could have been the other guy for me from the other Hellboy movies. I don't no, Ron Perlman looks totally different. Yeah, I guess he's got a different shape of yeah. face, hasn't he? Uh, yeah. But still, I didn't get much, um, what do you call it? Hopper like, love. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, um, nuance, like David Arbor's acting. I don't. Oh, I disagree, because there's lots of slumpy shoulders, lots of, like, flicking of his head, yeah. lots of dipping down of his head, and, I mean, even his face moved with his prosthetics, and a lot of his, like, uh, and his... You know what he's saying, and his grunts and groans and snarky comments, and I felt that. And knowing it was him, I could, you know, I attributed that to him. I think so. he was very funny at times. You know, he played the cheeky element of it good. Um, and there wasn't much dramatic stuff for him, was there? There wasn't anything really Not super. Much. I mean, uh, he apart killed from, his friend. Yeah, but mostly it was kind of you know jokey or actiony. Yeah. Um, but I think he did play it. I think he was good for it. Like, I, I wasn't like, oh, well, I really, I kind of like that movie, but I wish it wasn't that guy playing him. Right. So he worked. Mila Jovovich I plays, would hope not, because they didn't ask your opinion on that <laughs> when uh, they were hiring him. Mila Jovovich plays Nimu. Now, uh, the idea of her character is better than what it really is. Agree. It's really cool at the beginning when you see what happens to her and you're like, oh, wow, she's so powerful. They had to like take every part of her body and take it to the furthest places in the land so she'll never Only get in, Okay, let's just put this in perspective, everyone. <clears throat> I'm from America. 
I understand the size of America. You're from England. This is England we're talking about. They took them to the five edges or spots in England. Yeah. That's like a two-hour drive. Well, there was no cows. <laughs> I'm just saying, we're not talking about the ends of the earth here. <laughs> How could a very powerful witch, and if she exists in the world, so do other magical creatures, and she's probably got like GPS, you know what I'm saying? Like witch GPS, that everybody knows pretty much where she's going to be. That, to me, was like, ah. At least in, um, what was it called? Dust Till Dawn TV show? Yeah. Right? They chopped him up, but they took him to four different places on the globe. Like yeah, they, they did. picked the, as far away or as far apart from each other as they could get on the whole planet. I think it happened in True Blood as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, might have. Um, but Miller, eh. see, I like her a lot. Yeah. Lilo Dallas Multipass, she'll always have a place. She'll in always my heart. have that. <laughs> I don't think she's great. She's a little one note. Resident Evil movies, you know. I like them for what they are, and she's pretty cool in them. But. This body's like, it's like underdeveloped or something. It is, it doesn't amount to much. Yeah, like when she's been sewn back together. Okay, they're in the grubby little place, but then she hops up and they're just like in a little room with three, they call them lepers, ladies, you know, they're all kind of like pussy so, and gross. Yeah. But I mean, then she's just contained in this little tiny room. And then the next thing you see is her sitting watching TV in a shitty little apartment. And then the next thing you see is her on top of the mountain that looks really fake in CGI, so she's not in a grandiose place at all. You see her walking down a very small section of a street. I understand her threat to the world, but she's never put in a place where she seems as powerful and grand as she actually is. Maybe the beginning, you know, going, putting her next to the tree and her The beginning was the best part for her, yeah. It's just there's so much you could do with that powerful witch woman that wasn't done. Like it, she was over and done. Well, spoilers, over and done with <laughs> before you really get to know her properly. Quit while you're ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Ian McShane plays Professor Broom. This is, Ian McShane's the best thing in the whole world. Disagree. Um, Ian McShane's way overrated. I want to. I love his voice, so I would like to listen to an audio book that he does. My God. I'm sure he does it. I'm sure he's done an audiobook of something. I'd love do, to listen to it. Do any other wives out there have husbands who have very strange obsessions? <laughs> <laughs> Ian McShane's voice is not at the top of the list. You want your husband to be like, oh, I, absolutely, I really love that. I love Ian McShane. Only because I find him like sort of also uh, kind of one. I know he does a lot of different things, but now he's becoming just him. Yeah. In everything. He's he's pulling a Morgan Freeman right now. <laughs> yeah, we always say Morgan Freeman's great for when, the things he does. <laughs> but we can also say we do Keanu Reeves has but, a little bit of that syndrome where you put him in a thing that suits him and he's great. You put him outside of that thing, he's not great in it. Morgan Freeman, though, he has had a lot of variables, but he still is the authoritative, deep-talking you know, guy in charge. Ian McShane's person. also becoming that, isn't he? Well, he's becoming the weirdo. Because, I mean, we've been also watching weird, American yes. Gods. Yeah. <laughs> or John Wick, even. Or- the kind of smart ass, cocky. Yeah. He does that well. I uh, will give him that. I, I, He's just my favorite. I really. Uh, Deadwood, also. Um, yeah, Deadwood, he was kind of. Yeah, that's where he cemented for me his sort of swagger. Yeah. I will watch him till the end of time. Oh, my. 
Uh, Sasha Lane, who appeared in one of my favorite films, um, American Honey, plays Alice here. And I have to say, she was awful in this Mm. movie. Now, first thing is, I'm British, so her phony British accent was really... Ah, see, that didn't bother me at all. Because she is not British. Because I thought, look, oh, well, she's British. I didn't even realize. No, she's not. (laughs) And it was really... I didn't think she was awful. It was a dialect coach version of a British accent. It was was bordering on um, Mary Poppins chimney sweeps. Okay, well, see, I didn't pick up on that because I'm not British, so I thought she was fine. It got on my nerves so... Oh, Aww. God. Every time she opened her mouth, I was like... Oh. I do understand how that... Because I've had experiences with people trying to be American. Yep. When they're American, and you're like, really? And, you know, I, I really like America. She's fantastic. And she she'd is. never acted before in American Honey. That was the first acting job she'd ever had. She's fantastic in that movie. So I'm a fan of her. But in this movie, I was like, no, stop it. Just be an American. Yeah, why does she have to be British just because they were in England? That always blows my mind yeah. these days. Yeah, and if it, you know, I, I you can, if you're British, you can spot it immediately and it will bug you. Oh, I don't know. You've had a couple where you're like, wow, I didn't realize. I have been fooled before, but not this time. <laughs> um, Stephen Graham, who I had a sneaky suspicion it was Stephen Graham. Who's Stephen Graham, by the way? Stephen Graham plays the hog guy, and he is a British actor who's really good, really intense, but also... Famous for British acting. British acting. Well, this is England, I assume. This is England, yes. It's really intense, really emotional, but you could also say he's falling into that category. The of bro- these super intense, intense brooder. But then again, we didn't watch that cop show that we watched little bits and pieces of on Gogglebox, so right. we don't know... He was pretty intense in that, that from the looks of it. was a line of duty. Yeah. But he is good. But in this one, he's just being cheeky and funny. Yeah. I mean, it's not. he's not even in it. He's a voice. Yeah. Right? He's not. You don't see him. He's not in the costume or anything. No. The, it's like a... It's basically um, Milojovic is like... He's a pig. And he's like... Well, no. He's a fairy. And he tried to become a human when he was young. And Hellboy stopped him. And so now he's stuck in the form of his, like, a kind of pig. a warthog guy. He's got, like, a hog face, and he stands upright and everything. So he's pissed off with Hellboy. But Stephen Graham is actually from Liverpool, and he's got a very heavy Scouse accent. And that was what was alerting me all the time. I was like, who's the famous Scouser that I know? Like, who have been watching recently? Turns out it was him. But he does the Scouse. It's a Scouse pig, basically, isn't it? Um... Daniel Day Kim plays Major Ben. He's in Starship um, Star Trek uh, Enterprise. is is one of his famous roles. Um, he had some phony accent going on too. It was weird. Did you not? Didn't really notice. Didn't really bother me. It was a British accent that he was doing, mm-hmm. and it was it was like he had thought to himself, "I'm going to sound like James Bond." Oh, okay, like the deep, yeah, yeah. And and that just kept... Bu- so whenever him and Sasha were talking, which was a lot, they talked to each other a lot, those two. I was like, oh my God. So is he not British? No, he's not British. He's like okay. Korean or something. But anyway, it, it, I've never heard him do that accent before. Korean I've seen him. or something. He was in Lost as well, that seems if you remember. <laughs> right. Do you remember him in Lost? No. He, unless he had he an was, American accent in Lost. Unless he was the husband... I'm go- I'm thinking he was an American. I'm thinking he's an American, actually. Okay. But anyway, his accent was dodgy as hell. 
her accent was dodgy as hell, and they're in so many scenes together because they're they're together most of the time. So that bugged me. Somebody's setting fireworks. What is it today? Fireworks outside? Nothing. They're just oh. doing it because we live outside the city limits, so they think they can. Um. So and Dan- just to tell everyone, you don't like fireworks. Did you like Daniel Day Kim then? As he's all right. I mean, forgettable, tough guy. I like him, but I mean, he didn't really have to be anything special except they had him being super insulting to Hellboy constantly, which I found kind of like, really, in the 21st century, do we need the two characters who just constantly make fun of each other or put each other down and then have to overcome their differences to become friends in the end? Like, I don't know. That seems kind of boring, but he had no control over that. I really liked his special power, but the CG was so bad on that. Yeah, he he transforms into a creature, but the creature looks like crap. They did, I think, try to pay homage to, what did you notice? Great American. Great, yeah, American wealth in London. Yes, because he put his hand down and then his fingers grow. And then yeah, his and his feet, legs kicked yeah. out backwards. Yeah, it, it, they were doing that. They so were I kind of like that. that part, but again, out of his control. Uh, and Thomas Hayden Church, who's only in this very briefly. Yeah, very briefly. Is I didn't actually recognize him. I did instantly. Lobster Johnson. <laughs> we don't even know Lobster, Lobster Johnson is. He was fun. He was not. He was like in there for about a half a second. And the end scene. Stay, yeah. stay tuned after the credits. There's a bit of a scene with him. <laughs> um, this is directed by Neil Marshall. Now, Neil Marshall made this movie called Doomsday, which I reckon nobody saw at all. Not true. It was not very popular. It was a British movie. If you and I saw it, that means at least at least ten thousand yeah. other people saw it. He also made a, a really, really I, I love this film. It's a horror film called The Descent about this group of female um what do you call them a good Annie? It's like uh, spelunkers. Well they mean they weren't, but a couple no, of them were. They, but they go down to, into this yeah. into this uh it's just Cave. hell. They they basically go down into hell. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, it's a creature film, but it's uh, a horror film, and it's because it's like isolated in one place. It feels real claustrophobic. I really liked it. Did you like it? I did. I mean, I don't think I have as fond a thing for it as you do. Did you like Doomsday? Because yeah, think Doomsday I like Doomsday. Really cool. Doomsday is like it's ultimate. It's really cheesy, like super cheesy. Um, what it, what would you say it is? It's a mixture of all kinds it's like of things. Fantasy. Got a bit of fantasy, got a bit of zombies, yeah. got a bit of, like, end of the world. Like, it's, it's well, obviously, Doomsday. <laughs> it's got music. The music is awesome in that. Do you remember the car chase at the end to Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Two Tribes at the end? Yeah, but see, some could argue the thing that you just said about this movie, that that doesn't really go, but to us it does, because we liked the movie and the music. He did it just right in Doomsday. <laughs> the music the music and the movie matched perfectly. So, And Neil Marshall also directed uh, several episodes of Game of Thrones, like some of the biggest action piece ones. So you've seen his stuff probably, because a lot of people saw Game of Thrones. And I really like him. Because he kind of sticks to his thing. He's not like a... He likes horror. He likes sci-fi. This is kind of right up his alley, but obviously something didn't go right because it's not particularly well-shaped, this Agree. movie. And that might be... Might be the editing, though. That's what I'm thinking yeah. it is, fully. But that might be the thing that would elevate this movie if it was better put together. Like, it feels like it wasn't... Agree. If, if it was a Lego set, somebody put the pieces in the wrong place slightly. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? To what end? What to, would be what would be problem wrong with that? 
Well, you know, it's just not exactly how it should be at the end. You're like, oh, is it? You like the Millennium Falcon with chicken legs? Yeah. Okay. There's like, right at the very end when you're finished with the model, you're like, I think there's like three or four pieces out of place, but I I don't know what it is. It just feels like it's not right. FYI, the Baba Yaga is like a um, legend. I know. And she lives in a hut that is on... Well, legendarily speaking, on chicken legs. True. Um, and you know when I and last... it's Slavic. It's like from the Slavic or Russian countries. You know when I last encountered her? Um, the latest Tomb Raider game was kind of all concerning that. She's also in something else that we saw. I'll have to think about it. Was she in Galera... Uh, not what I'm saying. Guerrero del Toro's... The one with the little girl inside the house in the woods. I think so. I think that might have been it. The girl in the house with the woods. Yeah. It was It was a Del Toro movie from probably around the time when the first Hellboy came out, just after that. And it was real, not cartoon? It wasn't a cartoon. Okay. It was real. It was a little girl. It was in the woods. It might have had Baba Yaga in it. I can't remember what it was called. I don't know. I'm looking. Look at movies that... The Hobbit, The Hobbit, The Hobbit, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Cowboy 2, Pan's Labyrinth, which I did not see. No, it wasn't that. The Devil's Backbone, Mimic, and Kronos. Oh, so maybe he didn't direct it, just wrote it. Mm. Look look for something that he wrote around... Those are all the ones he's written. Oh, not what he directed. He wrote all those? Jeez. Director of... Kronos Mimic, Devil's Backbone, Blade 2, Hellboy Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy 2, Pacific Rim, Crimson Peak, Shape of Water, Pinocchio, and Nightmare Alley. Yeah, it's none of them, but I'm mm-hmm. totally, I've got the movie downstairs. It's like, it's a and little And I've got girl. the vision of a house in a creepy forest. Creepy and then forest. it lifts up on some legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I th- yeah, it's that. I think it is that, but I can't remember what it was called. It's not the forest. It's not, <laughs> I can totally see the movie. I know what I gotta go to Wikipedia and look at so you know references. And it probably says on the cover like from Visionary Del Toro. It says something like that, but it might not be directed by him. It might just be like his it was his idea or a short story or something. Right. But uh, yeah, that might be where we've seen her before in film. Um. So, what did find? Oh, you mentioned Neil Marshall. You. Kind of like, there's something wrong. I mean, I don't know if it's him, though. No. You know? And if you're a strong enough director, I would hope that the studio wouldn't say, well, we're just going to go ahead and make our own version. They did. You know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, but if it's in a contract that you signed. Yeah, but if it was good enough, they wouldn't change it. Mm. And so whatever their vision was didn't match up. But But that might not be true. It might be more like, it's not to their taste, but you're... but. Yeah, but they wouldn't change a Steven Spielberg movie. No, that's that's true. But Steven Spielberg or, wouldn't be letting anybody else... He wouldn't be working for anybody. Would he? <laughs> He'd just be doing his own. True, but you get <laughs> what I'm saying. All right. And also Game of Thrones. I mean, you can't pick out to me and tell me, oh, this this episode was definitely directed by this guy and this lady and that man or whatever. You just can't because they all have a formula... They might have a little bit different intensity or because there's a big action scene, but it still looks the same. Yeah. So the same scope, the same colors, the same costumes, the same music, all of it's the same. It's just who can, on the day, 
direct the horde to get it done. You know, like Kevin Smith doing Supergirl. He says, it's a machine. It's already running. I just step in for an episode to run the show for the day, you know, kind of thing. And that's why Game of Thrones would have got like Neil Marshall because he's good at action is is the thing. And they had a big action thing. So they need that kind of director. But you're right. You might not look at it and go, oh, that's Neil Marshall. No. Because we see, um, we watch many different shows, and then it show it like comes up at the beginning and says like directed by, and it'd be like, oh, that's one of my favorites. But then you watch it and you're like, I don't really see my director that I know in there exactly. at all. Like, it's just because, as we were saying the other day, Quentin Tarantino directed an episode of VR. Now it was different than the other episodes, but, was but it, a, it, it wasn't, wasn't a Quentin Tarantino. It thing. couldn't be because it's tele- network television, right. but it wasn't like, whoa, it's so different, you right? Know? Because he has to stick to the the rules of the show as well. So yeah, it's, they've created their own universe. All right. So um, IMDb reviews. What are those? People writing reviews on IMDb. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> and you go out and seek out the one star reviews because for some reason it's entertaining to hear people's very basic bottom line. Uh, let me predict. At least one of these that you have read, not that we might read out loud, says, worst movie ever. I wish I could have my two hours back. Something like that. Yeah, there'll definitely be one of those somewhere. All right. So let's uh, look at some of those one-star reviews. This is, I would say explain this every week, but this doesn't mean we hate this movie and we're looking at the one-star reviews because they're the ones we agree with. It's when you look at like the scale of people reviewing movies on IMDb. The ones who write the ten, the ten star, they the, they love the movie and it's just nice. It's just the ones who write the one star reviews. It's very odd sometimes what they say <laughs> <laughs> or why they don't like it. Uh, but sometimes we might agree. Anyway, number one is to Fairy Future says, and this is my impression of this person. It's like an old video game. It's too simple a plot. Fights are in locations and short cutscenes with dialogue between them. Correct. I mean, you can't argue. (laughs) (laughs) That is very observant of you. Number two says, The CGI sucks. The editing is poor. Hellboy does not act like Hellboy. And the movie is just boring in general. Okay. I like that review. It's really good. Did Especially the boring in general part. Boring in general. But I watched it all. Um, this guy says, wise guy clothing, says, forced gore plus forced humor equals T-R-A-S-H. Oh. Maybe if you're an immature 12-year-old, you'll find this movie entertaining, but anybody with a brain will not. Well, let me tell you, Mr. Wise Guy Clothing... Immature 12-year-olds have a brain, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're invalid. Um, I walked out of the theater on this one, says okay. B. Murphy. It was so bad I left 15 minutes in. Just don't waste your time or money. Listen to the bad reviews and watch the original ones instead. As we can forget this one. I don't know what that means. He's breaking my rule. You're going to compare them. Fuck off. That would be my rule. Marco says... Pardon my language. OMG. This movie is not good. I skept 30 minutes. Skept. Skept it. Story is bad and acting... 
there's no G on acting. Acting was bad. And music was bad. Original Hellboy was better. See what it sounds like when someone compares? You sound <laughs> like, uh, and? All right, let's get another Go one. rent or watch or buy Hellboy other movies a million times then. And this from a person who absolutely loves the other Hellboy movies. Mm-hmm. I just really, really, really enjoyed them, really liked them, had a good time. I really enjoy the second one most of all these all these Hellboy movies. Well, that one isn't one of this. This is something different. Um, Min, Mina Deganta says, Where do I begin? Oh, wait, I'm not going to begin anything because it was awful. I want my money back. <laughs> Thank you and have a good day. <laughs> oh, well. At least they were polite. And to the, the point. All right. This one says, C. Johnson says, It was crap. CGI made it really hard to watch, which really sucks, because David Arbour is a great actor, and this was a bad film choice. I walked out of the theatre drawing a scene with some giants. Hmm. That's actually one of the best parts. Why would you leave then? Idiot! I mean, it is and it isn't. Yes. But yeah. This, and finally, this guy says, it's boring whether they cut some scene. Ag. It's boring whether they cut the scene. Some scene. It's bo- oh, it's boring whether they cut some scene. Arg. <laughs> Maybe he's a pirate. <laughs> I don't really understand that one, but okay. Some of them they don't they're not supposed to make sense. They're the one. <laughs> um, is there any other ones? Any other ones that are hilarious and funny? There's a lot of I left the theater. I want my two hours back. You were right about those ones. Yep. This is the worst film I think I've ever watched, says Flame Boy. The CGI looked about 15 years old. Oh. The acting was terrible and was painful to watch. It's awful. Don't waste your money. Oh my God. It was so bad. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> now, he does hit on the point of what you said about the CGI. Yes. That 15 years ago, we were getting a bit better. It's like this very specific thing. The movement of a body, which is humanoid-esque, right? Legs, arms, somehow in space. If you go outside of that little format, you can kind of forgive it because we don't know what a seven-leg creature would look like or whatever. But when you try to make it look almost human-esque, and then you have it moving in space and it's not quite right, the arms are floppy or it doesn't bend right, or the humans in this look almost like... I don't know, like you had taken clay models and made a model of it and then put it in a 3D thing, rendering on your software, and then, I don't know, it just looked, it wasn't right. I think there was a, like, on the older Hellboys, I don't think it was a ton of CG, actually. I think it was, like, tons of makeup, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time, there's, like, like almost all the backgrounds are CG, I think. And sometimes it's awful. This guy says, finally, this is the final one, says, absolute garbage, hellboy, more like hell snore. Now, let me just say to Notorious (laughs) Mayhem, when you say like hellboy, more like hell snore, it's really supposed to rhyme for it to be funny. (laughs) So, you know, hell snore is nothing like hellboy. Are you critiquing his critique? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if that's smart. I'm trying to think of a better one. Like Hellboy, more like <laughs> nothing. <laughs> maybe, maybe he went through this exact process. 
I'm like, <laughs> fuck it. I'll snore. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, thank you, Mr. Notorious Mayhem, with your special words. We appreciate the time and effort that you took to add to this. All right, so there oh, are... Crap, these people can't come back to us and complain that we're, like, making money off them, right? Because we don't have advertisers. We're not making any... No. We're not profiting on their one-star reviews. We are just relaying them to the world. I have a copy of Hellboy you can have if you're going to try and see you can have this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Tales... Uh, there are extras on this Blu-ray. It's like a making of. It's a three-part documentary. So it, it, like it's 60 minutes long total. It's called... Tales of the Wild Hunt, Hellboy Reborn. Takes you through all the things, including the obligatory costume lady, right? Hmm. You always have to have the part yeah, with the costume lady. Yeah, she was lady. just talking some shit. Oh my god, I can't, I can't cope sometimes with people. I'm, I'm, I should be a hermit. Or hermess, whatever you are when you're classified as a Baba female. Baba Yaga, you should be Baba <laughs> Yaga. Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga had some nice... Um, I'd live in that house because anytime people start pissing me off, I'd just be like, let's go. She and had like, nice accommodation. She did. It was pretty good. But she was nasty. Yeah, she had some droopy boobs. Yeah, what this lady was saying, she starts off by, you know, the super pretentious bullshit. Like, well, you know, when they approached me, then I just knew, you know, I was really glad that they wanted to, like, make something new and modern. And then every fucking reference she made... Was, was like either to an old movie. Either in reference to the other movies, like in opposition to them, or, well, they wanted to be like the Wild West, which I really loved. And the we wanted to go back to World War II era, which really worked well, and all this other shit. Every single thing referred back to something unoriginal, unmodern. I just think people are so full of shit when they start saying... It's like they sat at a table and all had lunch. I'm like, oh, we really want to do something new and modern. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. Oh, he needs to look like the Wild West. Oh, that would be so awesome. So retro. Right. So you just said <laughs> you want something new and modern. And I'm sorry if you, oh. hear, if you hear the fireworks on the mic, but it is August the 4th tomorrow, <laughs> the famous American... <laughs> American celebration. It's been a month since Fourth of July. We were I like, think these people might, might have like got the calendar wrong. They're like, oh shit, it's the fourth. We're gonna yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there are extras, and it's a decent enough. Actually, it's actually a very good documentary. It, it has everything, and you know what? When you see David Arbor get in the chair and it does this time lapse of his makeup, and he talks about what they what they do, they put these contact lenses in. I thought that was really interesting. So, um, yeah, it's a good documentary. So uh, thanks to Lionsgate for the disc for review. Next week, we're looking at the small independent movie, Avengers Endgame. <laughs> uh, didn't, I heard it that it didn't take much money at the box office. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. It's a real flop. Just a couple of pence. Three pence. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking at Avengers Endgame, the sequel to Infinity War, next week. <laughs> happy 4th of august they might not even be able to hear it you're just yeah, every so something. often we hear a firework maybe you, hear you the don't pop and then the yeah but somebody it seems like it's in our driveway it's happening if i could see it i wouldn't be as annoyed yeah don't it feel <laughs> like it's actually happening right behind this window it does but i don't probably isn't it's probably miles away um all right so movie recommendations we recommend a couple of movies i am recommending uh, movies talking of American holidays and Americans. Uh, I'm going to recommend one 
Sasha Lane, who's in this movie, who I couldn't stand, but she's in an amazing movie called American Honey. Catch it. It's from Andrea Arnold. It is awesome. It's my favorite movie of the year it came out. My other American one is American Gods, starring Ian McShane, which we've just finished season two of. And really fun. It's really, really fun. It, there were parts of this movie, Hellboy, where I was like, I feel like I'm watching a, a, like a bit of American Gods here. That beginning part, for instance, where Ian McShane's talking over the top and stuff's happening, like with the King Arthur and everything. I was like, this feels like the beginning of American Gods episode. I don't know about that. I thought it was lower. Lower classy. I did too. Less classy than that. I had some... We only just watched it. American Gods is a very interesting... If you want to watch a show where you don't know what's going to happen from episode to episode... And, and you're not easily offended about religion. <laughs> right. <'Cause it> is, <laughs> yeah, don't t- go into it and decide then you have to tell everyone not to watch it. If you really like Ian McShane... Because you freak about religion. As well. Because he does have a massive part in it. Mm-hmm. It's just really a fun show. Uh, fun, violent... Very um, violent. Very sweary. There's lots of swearing. The C word is used quite often. True. It's that kind of, mo- it's that kind of show, but... It's just really fun. So I recommend it. American Honey and American Gods. And you are? And I I am uh, recommending, uh, there's a little movie a few years ago called Hellboy. And then there was Hellboy 2 and 3. There was no 3. <laughs> was there no 3? No. Are you sure? There was never. Other than Hellboy and Hellboy 2. Are you sure there's no 3? I absolutely am a thousand percent <laughs> sure there was no 3. I say seek it out and find Hellboy 3 and watch it. But no, Hellboy and Hellboy 3, Hellboy 2. <laughs> <laughs> Guillermo del Toro. I like that you Toro. recommend a movie that doesn't exist. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's Hellboys. I just love them because I also like, um, also throw this one in the mix, is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I have recommended many times because it's just out there on the fringe of superhero combined with old timey steampunk, whatever. And uh, it's really fun. Um, some, and somebody out there, tell me what that movie was that Del Toro did. There was like, he didn't do it. Maybe he wrote it, but it was like some little girl in the woods in a house and it was spooky. But Remember? did the house walk around? No. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know what you're talking about then. Because I'm thinking this exact thing I've seen in a movie. Was it in like Time Bandits? Might have been. Because that, that had a house that walked around, I believe. Maybe? No, that was the giant with the... With the ship on his head. God, I wish I knew what that... The movie I'm thinking of. It's not Del Toro, because I've looked through all of his stuff. No, but he wrote it or something. Nope. I've just looked through it all. He didn't. I have to go and dig it out. It's in my collection downstairs. Of a little girl who lives in the woods. We reviewed it. Alone? Yes. Are you talking about Mama? Yes. Okay. Well, it's not what's Del... that? What's that got to do with Del Toro? <laughs> his name's on the box. <laughs> Is it? Maybe he was like the producer or something. Are you sure he's on the box? I'm pretty pretty sure he's it's on the box. It's from 2013. Mama is the, exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. What's, oh, it's got Jessica Chastain. Yeah, it has. Well, what's Del Toro got to do with it? Um, nothing. He's not on the list. Look on the look at the. Are you looking at the IMDb page? It's Canada and Spain, and he is Spanish. Are you looking at the IMDb yes. page? Look at the poster for the movie, and look at what the words at the top of the poster. I can't see it. Says presented by presented by, but that doesn't mean he had any input. That's why I'm thinking it though. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah I couldn't see that. It was too small. Yeah, that was creepy, freaking movie. But it wasn't great. But it was creepy. Yeah, I, I I think it was kind of fun. 
Mm, it wasn't fun. Jamie Lannister and it wasn't fun. <laughs> Jamie Lannister. Jamie Lannister's in it with both hands. Just yeah. so you know. Um. All right. So yeah, that's mystery solved. So Ace Scully stuff. I've been playing some more Anthem. I'm really enjoying it still. Not at the end yet. It's kind of one of them games where I don't want to get to the end because I know I won't play it anymore after the end part. And what the other game I've been playing, you know, like I like Truck Simulator. It's the, one of the most boring games probably for most people. You drive a truck, you take some stuff. So you've and, elevated to another simulator. Simulator. Yeah. So I try a different. Um, I watch um, Gary Witter, who's um, a screenwriter guy who I've always followed. And now he's started doing uh, Twitch streams. And the other night he was playing this, this game called Train Sim World, which even he was saying was like, this is probably one of the most boring streams <laughs> ever, but hey, I'm, this is what I'm playing. So, And you drive a train from down the train line. And, you know, there are different scenarios. Get the people from here to there and don't break the speed limits. And it's a train game. It's really, ac- you know, you've seen it. Yep. It's real accurately modeled train Everything looks like it's supposed to. All the dial, there's hundreds of dials all over the... Trains are more complicated than you might think. Yeah, because here's what you said when you started. I don't see how this is so difficult. All I have to do is go in a straight line and stop. (laughs) There's no steering. (laughs) I was like, that's probably an insult to every single train operator on the whole planet. (laughs) And now after playing it for a few hours, I appreciate all train drivers. Very good. Because they, they are not just... You know, going in a straight line. Well, they are actually just going in a straight line. It's not straight, but yeah. But they're they're not steering, but controlling the speed and stopping the train exactly at the station. As You know, a train has a lot of momentum and your brakes don't instantly stop you. You've got to really judge and know how long it will take for a train to stop. It's kind of an art of stopping one. Oh, you've changed your tune. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Train Sim World, it's on Steam. Uh, I believe it's on PS4 as well. It's really cheap. It's like $10. And uh, it's all the train driving you could possibly want. So what what's for dinner today? Pies. I like pies. <laughs> They're Amy's vegetarian vegetable pies. You know, vegetables, I potatoes, like creamy. I'll eat um, some pies. Dairy-free. So these are the vegan ones. With It's just little pies in a pie crust and they're... Delish. They've already baked. They're sitting in the kitchen now, cooling, because we like them kind of... They don't have to be fresh out of the oven to me anyway. No, I like them. I actually might prefer them cold. Yeah. Like chilled. Well, it's not going to be chilled. Right. It's air-conditioned, because they've been <laughs> sitting on the stove all the time. And then uh, some homegrown tomatoes, because what have I been doing lately? Whoop, whoop. You've been growing all kinds of things. We've been eating fresh tomatoes, beans. Yeah, I've got these long... They're called different things on different packets, but it's either oriental long red beans or Chinese long red beans. And I've been picking them when they're about 18 inches long. They're just like like a green bean or what do you call them? Haricover bean. I don't call them that at all. French okay. people do. Like, run- like runner beans. <laughs> runner bean? Yeah. Like a green bean. Type runner beans and look at pictures of runner beans. Okay. Um, but these grow really, really long. And look at a runner bean. I can't taste them very good because I've got no, not got a great taster at the moment. However, you have said they taste like a raw pea, kind of. And sweet. And sweet. And my mother said, after she made a weird face, she also said, yeah, it kind of tastes like a pea, kind of yeah. like dirt. 
picture of runner beans on my. Uh, no, those are flat, but I, know, I got what you're saying. Yeah. Long. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I'm just letting them grow. I've never grown beans before. I built this like Blair Witch project looking thing in the in my raised bed. It's just like a bunch of weird sticks in the shape of a teepee. We've had a lot of tomatoes. Yes. And we still have about probably 10 that are still growing on the different plants. And this is my first year of total success. I had about 12 plants and I've been getting tomatoes off of all but one. And they apparently are delicious, as you have yeah. reported. Well, eat toma- get tomatoes from the supermarket, which you probably mostly do most of the year, and you eat them. And they just taste like, like they've got a texture, and they're very watery. And there's not much of a flavor unless you put salt on them. And that is the facts for supermarkets. How, do, how do mine compare? But these tomatoes out of the garden, are there's like an acidy flavor, and there's just... Flavor. In a good way. You don't need to put salt on them and they taste of something, which is way different than... Definitely, I can tell the textures. They're not like mealy and weird. And I can feel if it's acidy or sweet. And they all have varying levels of those two things, but nothing like where your mouth goes like, Ugh. Yeah, they're really And there's good. never nothing. So I'm I've been very it. happy with that. And I only learn from... YouTube videos. I watch all kinds of YouTube videos. If you care about gardening, you know, go on my Instagram. You're going to see lots of pictures of my... I've noticed there's... It's like I'm obsessed with tomatoes, and I'm about to do another post about tomatoes, but my God, they're so photogenic. And then I get to eat them. It's like the my two things, art, three things, art, eating, and photography, all smushed in together. And bicycling. We've bicycled <laughs> well, the, quite a bit. This week. We have been bicycling. There are no tomatoes involved. No. But our trail, which was being closed because of flooding, is slowly coming back to mm-hmm. being able to be used. And we've rode up and down it quite a few times. It's fun. So um, before we go, what's your uh, advice? Um, my advice is... Let me get over here again. <laughs> I think I've said it before, but I find people resist new ideas... Different ideas, new skills, new thing, new way of doing things. And I haven't been able to figure out why, but I get the vibe sometimes. They think that means you have to erase something from your mind to fit the new thing in. Like, if I believe in a religion and you tell me about a different religion, I have to erase my religion and now become your religion. Which is... It sounds ridiculous because it is. If you say, you know, this is how I grow my tomatoes and someone goes, oh, but this is how I grow my tomatoes. It doesn't mean you have to abandon the way that you do it. It means now you have new information to do with whatever you choose. Right. And I'm starting to now I've got this in my mind observing people and this resistance to different ideas, new ideas, or even just seeing something from another point of view, regardless of how wretched or terrible or awful the other point of view seems, trying to see the world through that person's eyes or through that filter of that idea or whatever choice they made does not make you become them. It means that as a human being, you are just simply thinking about a thing from a different point of view. You, it's, you know, it could be like a rubber band. You reach out and you stretch right back to how you were and you go, okay, I get it. I see how you think. I still reject it, which is fine. 
On the other hand, it also can make you on more moderate things and smaller things that aren't terrible. Helps you to connect with people better. Because even if you don't have a religion that the other person does, and you start to hear their point of view and think about their experiences and listen to why they believe what they believe, you connect with them because you're going to find some common ground. Whether you like it or not, you might resist with every ounce of your being to want to be anything like that Republican or that Democrat or that liberal or that conservative or that Christian or that atheist or that Muslim or that Buddhist or that hippie or that yuppie or that business greedy guy or that loser welfare person. Like you want to resist having anything connected to them. But the truth is you will have more things in common once you start listening to why and how they see things and how they've come to their own conclusions. It may not solve any problems, but it makes life more rich and more full. And you don't quite reject with anger the way you might have done before. You can still reject it and go, nope, not into it, dude. But thanks for telling me why you see things instead of like, screw you, you loser Democrat. You know what I mean? You just be like, okay, agree <laughs> to disagree. So well. learning something different or looking at through from a different point of view based on someone else's experiences will not, I guarantee you, it's not like a hard drive that you're reformatting. It will not erase what you've already got in your nice, head. Nice, nice yeah. link. Thank yeah. you. If what you believe or you think is standing on such shaky ground or such a weak foundation and you don't even know why, that more information might May lead you to a different conclusion, then you could examine why you thought that in the first place. You can go back to it, but now you can challenge yourself and be like, whoa, why do I even think that? You don't have to erase it or change it. Just rethink it. Nicely said. Thanks. All right. So um, you've listened to the beginning of the podcast, so you know where to catch us. We're everywhere. They've already caught you because they've listened to the whole podcast. The only place we're not is Spotify and how the hell you get your podcast on Spotify, I have no idea. People do. People have it on there, but I can't find any. If you know how to get it on Spotify, tell me, because I do not know. <laughs> um, I've tried. I've really tried. We're on everywhere else, though. All the places that matter. <laughs> so um, you can catch Sid Talk on Instagram. Catch me on email, aschoolateaschoolate.com. Don't email Sid Talk. Stay classy, Mr. Hellboy. And... Um, yeah, stay classy, Mr. I'm sure we'll see another Hellboy movie before our lives are over. Mm, no comment. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves or someone will do it for you. 